Hi, I'm Talissa. And I'm Rachel, and this is Transatlantic Crime, a true crime podcast that covers stories from each side of the pond. Every week, we will both cover a separate story with a running theme. Disclaimer, this podcast will contain swearing and details that some people may find offensive. If you are of a sensitive disposition, listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Transatlantic Crime. Yeah, so how are you apart from the horrific dog walk you just had? Uh, I'm like half an hour late to, or more like 40 minutes late to our recording because I just took my dog out for an emergency uh, diarrhea dump. All been there. (laughs) Yeah. Could have been worse, could have been you. I was just, (laughs) it could have been me, yes. (laughs) I was just saying to Talissa, it was literally a shit show. (laughs) It was. And, And I won't spare any other details because i don't want to gross anyone out but yeah yes i'm sorry for being late to our recording we are here now we are ready to talk about crime it's fine it's uh, it's (laughs) fine i've just been sat here watching um the staircase the dramatized version yeah the the real one with um what's her name uh the act the main actress yes i I know her name she was in sixth sense tony collette Tony Collette. Okay, She's an I amazing actress. I would never have remembered she was in Sixth Sense because I haven't seen that. I've only ever seen that film like once because the... Mm-hmm. If you, and if you haven't seen that film, like don't even get me started on spoilers. It came out like a thousand years ago when I was a kid. <laughs> That's the one movie that everybody knows. like, I'm going to spoil it. I don't care. <laughs> like, <laughs> But then uh, there's those like annoying people. I can't remember like who annoyed me saying it, but someone was like, yeah, I totally knew that Bruce would skip if you don't want to hear this. But they were like, yeah. I... <laughs> they were like, I totally knew Bruce Willis was a ghost. It was completely obvious. I was like, it was not completely obvious. You and the writer no, was the, were the only people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, Tony Collette is in Sixth Sense. She's in The Staircase. I really want to watch it. How is it so far? It's good but it's annoying me again that i don't fucking know okay where are you percentage wise because i'm probably like 80 percent that he did it 20 percent that he didn't yeah i'm about the same it's difficult i don't think there's an owl that did it carly thinks the owl did i don't it. think i don't know if she's saying that to wind me up but like she genuinely is like owl did it and i'm like did it though and then i think my dad did is also it. saying the owl did it I mean, fuck me. That's, I mean, it's like Occam's razor. Like he was hiding gay stuff. He was Mm. running out of money and he was a liar anyway. And another one of his wives died by falling down the stairs. Like there's just so much Occam's razor. Like the easiest explanation is probably the right one going on. Right. Unless it was like a freak accident with an owl or falling down the stairs, then it's most likely him. So that's your 20% that you think there's a chance that it could have been a freak accident. This is what pisses me off. We're never going to know. Yeah. There's a staircase too. Who out. Have you watched that? No, I haven't. The same French people who made the first documentary about the staircase. Oh, by the way, which you haven't seen it, which come on, people. You're supposed to be crime <laughs> people. You should have seen this yeah. already. Uh, if you haven't, it's on Netflix, as is 
the it's staircase been everywhere. To, it's everywhere. There's, there's a chance to watch it. It's yeah. really good as well. It's a really long documentary and like really personal. Like they get in their house and like yeah. they follow everything. The staircase too, I think he takes an Alfred plea. Right. And that's where it's at right now. So he's like, right. I know you have enough evidence to convict me. So I'm going to admit that. But mm-hmm. you're also admitting that you probably don't have enough evidence to convict me. And I've already done a lot of time. They're basically saying, I'll plead guilty, but I'm telling you I'm innocent. Yeah, you're right. The defendant admits that the evidence presented by the prosecution would be likely to persuade a judge or jury to find the defendant guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Well, then surely they're guilty. If that's the law in America, (laughs) then surely they're guilty. But anyway, there's a very weird scene in The Staircase 2 where um, he's in his office and, you know, he's got that brilliant mahogany office in their their very grand house that they have. He's got a desk like Mr. Burns, like it's really grand. (laughs) And he's a bit drunk, I think, and he's playing a song on a record player called um, Everybody Knows. And Sigrid did a cover of it. And it's like, everybody knows that the da, 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 da. Everybody knows that the jury lied. It's like a really creepy lyric. Yeah. Like everybody knows that you lied is basically the premise of the song. Yeah. So if you play the song, just like Google Sigrid, everybody knows it's a fucking great song. And he's in his office like singing that after he's given his plea. And it's almost like he knows he's gotten away with murder. That's the impression I got from it. Yeah. Okay. That's a good recommendation. Yeah, it's great song, regardless of if uh, Michael Peterson's being weird, weirdo. But yeah, I liked it. What have you been watching or listening to? So I finished The Girl from Plainville. I don't think I liked it that much. There was a lot of creative liberties taken, I think. So I'm just going to move on from that. But I have started watching Under the Banner of Heaven with What's that? Andrew Garfield. Okay. I think that when you come here next week, then we can just watch it from the beginning because it's so good. But okay. it's not bingeable because they're still releasing episodes. Hate that. Hate it. Yeah. So annoying. But it's based on a true story, a true crime book that was written called Under the Banner of Heaven. And it's set in the Mormon community. And it's about a murder of a woman and her baby. They still commit crimes, just like normal society, but they're just a completely different society. So yeah, it's really weird when they do. I was just going to tell you about um, a podcast called Run Bambi Run. Oh, what's that? So it's, I've never heard of this case before. It's about a really beautiful, like model looking girl who tried to join the police force and um, what they would do is like hire loads of women. So they got the quota for hiring women, but then they would just fire them and there was no quota for firing them. So she was really angry. And then like um, somebody in the police force's wife gets uh, killed and she gets blamed for it. What? Yeah. Even though it's like definitely not her. Yeah. It's really, really cool. Um, Obviously really well done. And I'm pretty sure, oh no, it's Apple podcasts. I think not Wondery this time for once, which is good. Oh, nice. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I that sounds so good. I'm definitely going to check that one out. Yeah, definitely. Okay, right. So this week, I've been waiting all week <laughs> okay, to know. Let's get straight into it. So this week, 
this is a story that I've been wanting to tell for a while. So, Talissa, you kind of have a choice of themes. Okay. And maybe I'll present you with the themes that I think it could be under. <laughs> okay. And then <laughs> you can decide uh, what you want to do next week. But, like, yeah. the themes choices are yeah. women who fought back Ooh. or just standard crime and sports. Ooh. Okay, well, let me hear the story and then I'll be inspired. Okay, here we go. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> okay, Christy Salters was born on June 12th, 1968 in Mullins, West Virginia, a town with a population of less than a thousand. Also, uh, last week's story was in Kentucky. This is one state over West Virginia. Yeah. Again, very rural. West Virginia is extreme, extremely rural. So she came from a very small town. Um, Don't they have that show called The Whites of West Virginia or The Wonderful Whites of West Virginia or something? I, I have never heard of that. <laughs> what is that? I keep meaning to watch it. They always mention it on Crime and Sports and they always mention it on uh, Small Town Murder. Like James Petrogallo and oh. Jimmy Wisman, they always mention it. The Wonderful Whites of West Virginia. It's like a reality show. It's just like crazy small town live in trailers reality show okay i've never heard of this show and i really want to look it up let's and... watch it <laughs> yes okay we're gonna watch it when you're here yeah by the way listeners talissa will be here next week so I will. Uh, we are very excited my visa got approved today <laughs> yay definitely allowed to come Oh, also happy Mother's Day to everyone in Yeah, the US I keep seeing posts and I'm like, this isn't Mother's Day. Stop <laughs> making stuff up. You guys are late. <laughs> yeah. Christy Salters. Her parents were Joyce and Johnny Salters. Her dad was a coal miner, which is pretty common in West Virginia. Mm -hmm. Lots of coal mining there. Both of her grandpas were coal miners and her she had a younger brother who eventually became a coal miner. Nice. So it's just that's like the family the, trade, you know, standard. Yeah. Family trade and probably the whole town as well. Yeah. Christy loved sports and she played baseball and basketball all through school. She was usually the only girl on the team when she was around fifth or sixth grade. So 10 or 11, mm -hmm. 10, 11, 12. She knew that she was attracted to girls, but she kept it a secret from her family she was also known to get in fights a lot in grade school. I think probably because she had to like keep that secret in. Mm, so pretty angry. And she was yeah, she was angry. She was always around the boys because she wanted to play sports. So she's probably made fun of a lot too. So she yeah. she was just known to like get in fights a lot. Yeah. When she was in high school, she played on the basketball team where she started her first relationship with another girl on her team. That girl's name was Sherry Lusk. She also kept that a secret from her family. Her parents eventually found out around the time that she graduated high school, and they wouldn't accept it. Around that same time, she received a basketball scholarship because she was the best basketball player in the area, and she got the scholarship from Concord College in Athens, West Virginia. So she left her family for some freedom and she started college so she just kind of left that behind she wasn't able to be herself fully 
so she went to college. Yeah. While at Concord, she continued to play basketball as she worked for a degree in education. Her friends noticed that she had some aggression, and she was also very athletic, so they encouraged her to try out boxing. Yeah, that's for the best. I actually know some boys who were encouraged to box because they would always get invites. Yeah. I come from a family of boxers, so I love boxing yeah. as a sport, even though it's not good. It, it's not good for your health at all. Like, you're not wearing a head guard and you're just getting punched in the fucking head. What other sport are you encouraged to win by giving someone a concussion? I guess American football, but... Uh, I've never been knocked out in my life. I've never even really? fainted. Like, nothing is... Yeah. Really? No, I've never fainted ever, so I can't imagine how horrible it is to be knocked out. <laughs> You've never gotten a concussion? No. Or... I've never broken a bone. Um... I'm really careful. <laughs> <laughs> Such a delicate life Scared you Scared flower. <laughs> <laughs> no unnecessary risk for me, um, thanks. <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess I got a concussion when I was in a car accident, car accident oh. a few years ago, and that's wasn't pleasant it makes you feel nauseous and just not the closest thing i can describe to you that maybe you felt is like when you get really drunk and you get the spins a little bit or you just can't really stand straight or like when you're really extremely hungover yeah kind of feels like that oh it sounds horrible Um, and then the other time i almost fainted was I went to the doctor when I was like 20 or 21 and they took my blood and I was just sitting up like I didn't know this was going to happen. So I'm sitting there and they're taking blood out of my arm and all of a sudden I just start like (laughs) slumping, slumping over and I didn't really know I was uh, that and I was fainting and the nurse got angry with me she was like they shouldn't do that why didn't you tell me yeah she was like why didn't you tell me that you would do this and i was like i didn't know well she sounds like a dick she was they have you in a special uh, chair so they can just like flop the chair back it's what they're supposed to do well that's not what this was this i was just in a regular chair and i just started slipping over and she got mad at me so from then on Anytime I've gone to the doctor and they've taken blood, I'm always like, just so you know, <laughs> maybe you just this had could like happen. low blood sugar that day or something. Like, because if it doesn't bother you usually. Yeah. Well, it does. It, it has. But it was just that before that, I hadn't really given blood or had that much blood taken or whatever. It was it just it just happens. It's mm. a natural thing. Yeah. Loads of people <laughs> but, think. Yeah. So last time I had blood tests taken a couple years ago, a doctor in LA, I told them that. I was like, hey, just so you know, like, I might pass out. They were so nice to me. They, like, laid me down. That's what they do. They lay you down first. They gave me a snack. They, like, let me lay there with, like, an ice pack on my... I was like, this is so not necessary, (laughs) but it's very nice. I'm going to let this happen anyway. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm the oldest, and I yeah, like the so... care. <laughs> <laughs> For once in my life. Yeah. 
Yeah, so that is how I can describe to you how fainting feels. You, it just happens. You just, things start going a little bit gray and you just I don't even like the sound of that. You have no control. See, that scares me. Yeah. Like, no, I don't want that. So I, okay, no, yeah. no boxing for me. Or no being punched directly <laughs> no in the face. No boxing for you. <laughs> <laughs> no, avoid it at all costs if you can. Mm. Okay, so... She got into boxing. Christy took it up and she won her first fight. She earned $300 and then she earned another $1,000 <gasps> at her next fight. Wow. So she was hooked. She loved the game. She loved the adrenaline. She loved winning. She was just good at it naturally. Mm. She soon graduated from Concord with a degree in education. However, by that time, she was more interested in boxing than becoming a teacher. So in 1990, at 21 years old, she decided to get into formal boxing training. At that same time, a promoter was interested in seeing how far she could go, and that promoter convinced a well-known trainer and ex-fighter, Jim Martin, to train Christy. Jim did not want her there at first. He didn't want to train a woman in his gym as he thought it would embarrass him in front of his other players. Because she, she will also beat you. brought. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, he's training her. He's She's not fighting him. She'll so... fight you eventually, I reckon. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. We'll, we'll find out. Okay. For their first meeting, she brought her little Pomeranian dog, and the dog hated him. Good boy. (laughs) Yes, good boy. There's video footage of this, and there's just a shot of the little dog just, like, (laughs) staring up at him, like, make one wrong move, pal. You're fucking dead. (laughs) Angry. Yeah. So, Jim... He really didn't want to do this. He had even convinced one of his players to get in the ring and rough her up. Apparently, he told the guy to, like, break her ribs so that she wouldn't come back and that she wouldn't fight. Yeah. But so for that first meeting, that was supposed to happen. But Christy had brought her little dog and (laughs) she brought her mom as well. And Jim didn't want to do this in front of his, in front of Christy's mom. So Yeah, because he sounds like a fucking real... Pussy. He's like, oh, oh, your mom's here. Oh, I better not act like a dick because I'm scared of yeah. you and I'm scared of your dog. I'm scared of your mom. <laughs> yeah. This is definitely a story of toxic masculinity. Well, at its is it the 80s? Fullest. 1990. Yeah, it's still in full swing. It's still yes. everywhere. Uh, also, so she was like, she was 21 and he was 40. Five, I think I have it later in the story. So, mm-hmm. yeah, he was like 20 years her senior. So in that first meeting, he also saw how good she was. And with his other players encouraging him to let her train, he decided to take her on. So the uh, even the other players was like, were like, hey, she's really good. You should train her. Yeah. And I think he was getting a nice amount of money from the promoter who wanted to see her get better yeah uh the two became extremely close with jim being very controlling eventually even though apparently jim knew that christy was gay and into women they got married a year later in 1992 when christy was 22 and jim was 47 that is so weird for so many reasons 
He's your yeah. trainer. Yeah. You like women. Um, her dog hates yeah. you. Loads of reasons. It was only a year. Yeah, and it's it was only a year. It sounds like he was... Well, it doesn't sound like... He was very manipulative. She said later on that he got her mom on his side oh, very yeah. early. Like, he was... He easily, like, manipulated her mom. So... Her mom loved him and didn't want her to be gay. Her didn't want her to be gay. Yeah, that was probably it too. And there was mention of like she wouldn't have become more successful if she had come out as gay mm-hmm. in the sport. So she pushed that down. She suppressed it and uh, married Jim. With Jim's controlling nature, he convinced Christy that her family would not accept her for being interested in women and that no other trainer would train Christy in boxing. So he was already manipulating her, telling her that she wasn't good enough and that she, nobody else would train her except him. Ugh. As she got better in the sport, he also controlled their money as she was earning a lot from winning fights and he would take it. He told her... I'm going to make you the best woman fighter ever and make myself a lot of money. Christy said later, it was all about what I could do for him. Well, yeah, because he's fucking nothing without you. Like, he's just an old trainer. Right. And also, like, the the marriage thing (laughs) works really well for him because if anything happens to her, he gets half her money, all her money. Yes. And she she can't really go and train with anyone else because that's her husband now. So it's not a business deal right. anymore. Yep. He's completely ingrained yep. in her life. Yeah. They're basically together 24-7. And she says in an interview from the 90s, she's like, yeah, it kind of sucks sometimes. No, I'm obviously I'm not directly quoting her, but she says like it sucks. <laughs> <laughs> it sucks sometimes because sometimes you have a fight at home and you have to take it into the gym with you or vice versa like you're having problems in the gym and oh, you can't get away from you it. shouldn't be take it home with you anyone 24 7 no you shouldn't <laughs> like no <laughs> the lockdown has taught me like you shouldn't be with anyone 24 7 no not even if you love them a thousand percent it's just not healthy no, like even me and Carly, okay, we were together all through lockdown and it went okay, but we had our own rooms to go to. We didn't sleep mm-hmm. in the same bed as well. Yeah. And we yeah. could go out and do diff- like different things on our own. But yeah, right. if you have to sleep in you the same... You both had different relationships going on. You had different... Yeah. You, you had your families, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, it and it sounds like he was just isolating her as well like getting his mom getting her mom on his side i think it's worse than when your mum uh, likes so- your boyfriend more than you do and you're like oh they're not that great <laughs> you're like they're a fucking douchebag yeah. although <laughs> i've always been in relationships where the uh, the my boyfriend's or my boyfriend's parents love me so that's a nice yeah but you're very too. lovable <laughs> yeah <laughs> Who would, who's, what That's parent true. wouldn't like you? You don't even swear. <laughs> yeah, well, not around parents, Talissa. No. No, because, <laughs> God, I've got some pride. <laughs> so back to Christy and Jim. In 1993, Christy's success was growing. She was now known as Christy Martin, and she earned the boxing nickname The Coal Miner's Daughter. I love boxing nicknames. Yeah. I have a, a cousin who 
they made a short documentary about because he was a boxer and he was known as the Rice Street Rocker. That's Because so we all cool. come from Rice Street. Yeah. You've told me about the documentary, but <laughs> yeah. I don't think you told me his name. I, uh, yeah. Um, me and Alessandra have already worked out mine. It's Tillisa the Grudge Stevens. <laughs> I love it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I hold grudges for life. <laughs> You got to keep that in you and let it come out in a punch. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Do you know yours? Uh, No, I don't think I have one. I should, we should probably figure one out for <laughs> Rachel me. Rachel holds all her rage until she has a heart attack, Pelza. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's probably accurate. Or kills you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So she was known as the coal miner's daughter. Her promoter was able to hook her up with a contract with top fight promoter, Don King, who this oh, was yeah. his heyday, 1990s. Uh, he was the best. She became the first female boxer on King's client roster, which included some of the best male fighters in the world wow. at that time. Pretty big deal. The hugest deal. The biggest deal. Yeah. Like, I know in who February he is. February 1996. <laughs> <laughs> everyone knows who he is. Yeah. Also, be- if you're true crime, if you're into true crime, of course, you know who he is as well. What did he do? oh i don't know okay i won't google it maybe we'll don't google it maybe we'll uh discuss that at a a later time yeah hell yeah okay i won't google it in february 1996 martin fought in her first nationally televised match on the showtime network and the following month achieved acclaim in her second televised match against boxer deidre gogart in which she won in six rounds, which is pretty good. Usually rounds last longer than that. So that's a knockout, right? It must have been knockout. Um, usually when it's a knockout, they say. so. Okay. They probably it, stopped I don't it. think it was a knockout, but yeah, usually it's stopped because the, pers- the other person is pretty beat up and mm-hmm. maybe can't make their own decisions anymore. Yeah. So that second fight was more popular on television than the Mike Tyson fight which followed that. The Mike Tyson fight was the main event, but her fight was bigger wow. than Mike Tyson's. Yeah. But it is kind of like, I kind of want to watch some female boxing. Like, it's interesting watching folks kicking the shit out of each other because you see that a lot. But like, women, it's like, Jesus, <laughs> yeah. look at her go. Also, when you watch 90s fights, there's still this. Like, if you watch fights now with, like, Ronda Rousey or, like, they're, like, legit, like, they have, like, you know, tight sports bras on Mm -hmm. and, like, shorts. They're not trying to look super feminine all the time. In the 90s, they're still... They've still, like, got a perm. to do that. (laughs) They've still got perms. Blue eyeshadow on. There's a shot of her with, like... (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Eyeshadow. Like, one girl has, like, a pretty, like, braid going down her back. And there's a shot of her punching this girl and her cup, her bra cup, like, pops out. Oh, shit. If that were now, like, the girl wouldn't, she wouldn't even have that. Like, that's just stupid to have in a fight. Yeah. (laughs) Like, Why are you trying to make your tits look good while you're getting your face punched in? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, also at that time, Christy, known then as Christy Martin, she was one of those fighters who who would instigate, like you know how before fights. They oh, would she's have shit the press talking. Conferences. She's a hundred percent a shit talker, <laughs> but even more so, she would make like homophobic 
type comments. Me think the lady like doth that. protest too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So she, you could tell, like, she was pushing that down. She didn't, you know, she didn't want to show that she was gay or she was just making fun of people who were out as gay or maybe even they weren't, but she would just make those kind of comments. Weird flex. Yeah. It's like a sign of the times as well. It's like the toxic masculinity is still in there, like still steeped in with like female boxing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, we have a fighter here called Conor McGregor. Mm-hmm. Basically, like. Yeah, everyone knows who he is here too. Oh, good. Okay. He's like, yeah, yeah. he's famous for shit talking, but he's like from yeah. the streets. Well, not even the streets. Yeah. He's from the caravans. He's a yes. traveler. <laughs> gypsy fighter like brad pitt in snatch he's irish right yeah he was taught to fight on a caravan site right so yeah he's got like the kind of street talk as well so he's like super famous for like swaggering about and like giving it some i'm always an admirer of people who can do that who can who can come in so quick with like shit talking because i I can't uh it's a talent i'm more of a like burn bridges scattergun approach like i would only do it to someone who i was never going to talk to ever again so i'll just go like as low <laughs> as i possibly can hit and then be like okay now you're dead to me otherwise yeah. <laughs> you might come back at me with something hurtful and then i'll be like ah! <laughs> talissa the grudge steven precisely you with her words <laughs> leaves you for dead <laughs> this is my promo yeah okay so her fight that preceded Mike Tyson's that got more than a million views in 1996. Crazy. This earned her a place on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine where she was the first woman boxer ever to be featured on Sports Illustrated. By the end of that year she was the highest earning female boxer winning $75,000 after she fought Bethany Payne and won after only two rounds. So she was making good money. She was well known. She was going on Jay Leno. Wow. Uh, Everyone knew who she was. And everyone knew who Jim was as well, because they were often in interviews together. Riding on the coattails of her fame. Her winning streak lasted seven years, and she earned a lot of money. She and Jim moved to Florida. They got a nice nice place in Florida. They both went on interviews and were well-known in the boxing world as being a couple and a boxer training duo. Jim said in an interview that they didn't have more than two nights away from each other since being together. Again, not healthy. I don't want to be with it. No. I bet she cherishes those two nights (laughs) so hard. (laughs) Yeah. In 2003, at 35 years old, Christy lost a fight to Layla Ali. Everyone knows her as Muhammad Ali's daughter. Wow. I didn't know that she became a boxer. Really? Yeah. Yeah, she did. Pretty good boxer, too. Wow. The things I never know today. (laughs) (laughs) Facts. Dropping facts. So there's a picture of her with, like, the winning belt on, and she looks really good. She's 25 years old, Layla Ali. And that is the fight where she won against Christy Martin. Ooh, okay. So Christy Martin's 35 years old. That's when things started to go downhill. She and Jim started a coke habit, and that became their life, pretty much. Mm. She would train and do coke, and at this time as well, Jim was being more aggressive with her, and he was threatening her. 
he had even punched her in the face and he punched her so hard that her tooth cut her lip. So That's pretty ballsy of you to punch somebody who's so good at punching people. That's true, but I was thinking it's ballsy in another way. Like, you punch a boxer, you're just going to assume that they got that bruise in a fight. Good point. Not from their husband. Yeah, really good point. So as she came to closer terms with her sexuality, she began to bring up the conversation of divorce and Jim wouldn't listen. This lasted for over five years. So she's 35. She's like, this isn't working anymore. I'm really unhappy. I have a coke habit. I'm in an abusive relationship. My boxing is going downhill. Also, it doesn't matter how much money you earn. If you've got a coke habit, it can go pretty quick. Yeah. Yes. Very expensive Definitely. habit. There's recordings as well of, uh, I'll say this later on, but like Jim recorded, he started recording all the time just in their house. That's another set up crazy fucking camera. thing to do. Yeah. And that's what she said. He, he was being more and more controlling and manipulative. And he set up a video camera and there's just a conversation on camera where he's like, did you get the Coke? And she's like, yeah, I'm about to go get it. And then they sit down together and do Coke together. It's like the guy with Susan Powell and capturing the Freedmans. Some people just Mm. like to film themselves no matter what's going on. And it's so weird. It's not, I mean, if you think about it in today's terms, people film themselves constantly. You're like right. Instagram lives, yeah. YouTubers, even taking selfies is kind of a form of it. And we're you're... doing this, which is kind of weird, but you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> we're not like yeah. recording our everyday lives or recording like our partner right. in our right intimate. That's why I thought like the whole Tommy Lee and Pamela Anderson thing was kind of weird. He taped Mm. everything. Yeah. And I find that a bit strange. I guess back then it was definitely a novelty to have a video camera. Oh, yeah. My stepdad went. this all the time. He would not put that fucking thing away. Like, granted, like we weren't in our house. We were on holiday and it was, or it was Christmas. Like, it wasn't normal (laughs) days that he would just film for no reason. I remember when my stepdad first got a video camera and my mom was like, stop fucking filming me. (laughs) <laughs> she was like stop film so it's like as i walk away if you film my ass i'm gonna burn that video camera <laughs> like, she was like i don't want to see my big love fat ass on get that. <laughs> like even though she has always been skinny and she's skinny now like, people were uncomfortable with like being filmed and yeah like fil- yeah filming family occasions i get it but like yeah filming filming just for filming sake and like everyday stuff right there's a lot of examples of yeah. that in true crime i think Definitely. Yeah, I agree. Okay, so he's filming them a lot. Like, they're having conversations of getting coke. So in 2010, Christy was on Facebook, and she came across her old basketball teammate and first girlfriend, Sherry Lusk. The two started talking, and they talked extensively, growing closer and closer, and they soon texted, and then they would talk over the phone. And Christy was telling Sherry, like, all that was going on and it's really kind of cute because you know on Facebook it says add friend yeah apparently Sherry messaged Christy and was like is friends what we're called and then that's how the conversation (laughs) kind of started (laughs) yeah (laughs) although uh Christy was sharing how unhappy she was with Jim and 
he was controlling and she wanted a divorce. During that time, Jim was keeping tabs on her. He was reading all of her Facebook messages. He was reading her texts. He knew where she was and what kind of conversations she was having. He knew she was unhappy. He knew it all. He was literally like checking up on her 24-7. So weird. Like I said, he was also recording what was going on. So soon she was getting tired of Jim keeping tabs on all her all the time. So she decided to just go and see Sherry. I think Sherry was maybe back in West Virginia. I'm not sure where she well, was It's at. like a high school sweetheart as well. Yeah, exactly. And it's just kind of cute. And I think Christy just wanted a way out. So... As she left that day in 2010, Jim said, if you go, I'll kill you. Things were Fuck. escalating pretty bad. I thought you were going to say, yeah. if you go, you're never coming back. And then she'd be like, uh, uh, fine by me. Yes, yeah, he threatened her and she went anyway. She and Sherry rekindled their relationship. And Jim at that time went down a spiral. He started contacting her mom and saying, uh, Christy's a lesbian. He was like sending pictures of her to family members. And he was just trying to get people on his side while Christy went to go have this nice time with Sherry. Yeah, cokeheads will do some crazy stuff. Yeah. He continued to threaten Christy and then now Sherry on the phone. And at one point he went as far as to call them when they were out together and he was telling them that he was following them. And he was like, I know what you're wearing. I know where you're at. I mean, imagine you're crazy already and then the only person who you care about leaves you and then you do a huge fucking line and then you think of all these plans that are a great idea (laughs) and then you do them. Like there is nothing more cringe than shit you thought was a good idea on coke. Exactly. All right. So on November 23rd, 2010, Christy returned home. She was officially going to tell Jim that the relationship was over and that she wanted a divorce. Jim wasn't home yet, and so she took a nap. When she woke up, she was expecting Jim home any minute, and she knew that there was going to be a fight. What happened was more than a fight, though. When Jim arrived in the house, he kind of approached her, and they were already talking at each other she was on the phone with sherry oh no sherry later on said that she heard christy say jim i'll talk to you after i'm done with my conversation with sherry (laughs) oh i don't think you would like that that's yeah (laughs) and that was sherry's reaction as well she was like i could hear the tension oh god on the other line so she hangs up the phone Jim is kind of shuffling around. He has something behind his back. And as he got closer to Christy, he said, I have something to show you. He came at Christy, pulling out a nine-inch buck knife, stabbing her in the torso and chest four times. Obviously, Christy fought back. Also, a buck knife is like for bucks. Aren't they like serrated? hunting knife. They're massive, if I'm thinking correctly. It's they're not huge, but they're sharp, serrated, yeah, very pointy. It's the serrated part that I don't that would like. Would be very painful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it wasn't like a you know butcher knife that you grab from the kitchen. This is like a knife that you use for hunting to kill an animal. Nope. 
He stabbed her in the torso and chest four times. She fought back. She kicked him, and then he stabbed her in the leg. <gasps> During the fight, Jim cut his own hand. Good. Seeing a chance to get away, Christy tried to escape, but she fell on the floor. They're in the bedroom as well, so they're, like, fighting around the bed. Uh... That's when Jim got on top of her because she fell on the floor and he started beating her. As she fought back, she realized that he had a gun in his pocket. Uh, it was her own pink gun oh my God. that she kept in the bedroom. She had a pink gun. That's cool. Kind of, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you're going to have a gun, Jim make it stylish. <laughs> yeah. Why not? Gun, but make, make it, it whatever fashion. Whatever color you want. Yeah. Jim pulled it out, and she tried knocking it out of his hands, but he hit her with the butt of it, and so kind of knocked her, dazed her a little bit. He got up, and he pointed the gun at her. She looked straight at him, and she said, Motherfucker, you cannot kill me. Yes! And then he shot her once (gasps) in the chest. The bullet was three inches from her heart. Sorry for that ugly close-up of my face, but the dog was nudging the phone, and I was like, get off. (laughs) It's a really important part of the story. That was like one of those YouTube videos where they, like, zoom in on the (laughs) face for reaction. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Also, during this whole fight, when she was, like, knocked out, he had... Jim had unplugged the phone at that point, and he was punching numbers in front of her because she was like, call 911. That shows intent. Yeah, and he's like, I don't know why it's not working. And he's like, fake calling. I read that in an article, but I couldn't tell if that happened before or after she got shot. So he's like, punching in numbers and it's not working. And then, so she's shot. She's bleeding out on the floor. He's wandering around. She was still conscious. She could hear him wandering around. Yeah. I mean, she's an athlete, so she's in top shape. But definitely helps. If she still has a coke habit, you're still running on adrenaline Uh, as well. Yeah, because isn't that what? Yeah, that's what they give you, like at the hospital. They give you adrenaline when you're like nearly dead. Right. Not coke, but not coke. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, from my understanding. (laughs) Otherwise, I'm sure they like be in short supply. (laughs) Yes. She's still conscious. She didn't know how long she was on the floor for. She heard Jim running water in the bathroom, and she thought that was her moment. So she gets up. Ugh. Her leg is just stabbed, and, like, tendons are not connected. Holy and hell. So she's limping. She grabs the gun because she doesn't want him to Good. grab it. She doesn't know what he's going to do. And she limps outside. And she stops the first car <gasps> coming down the street. Oh, good for her. Imagine blood, blood pumping out of everywhere. your chest, out of the bullet wound in your chest, as well as all the knife. She wounds. has bright pink gun, like waving her hands at face passerby. Fucked up as well, where you've been punched yep. in the face. Yep. Pistol whipped. Yep. As the car is driving away, Jim runs outside. No, why didn't they stop? I guess she's got a gun Why and she looks stop? crazy. She's got to get away. Yeah. <laughs> don't let him after her. By that time, he had showered, colored his hair, what? put on his jewelry, and some boxer shorts. So that's how he had run outside with a new hair color, jewelry on, and boxers. Fucking hell. Yeah. He wasn't coming to like see if she was okay. He was coming after her. Yeah. 
he yeah, thought she was he dead on the she floor. Was dead. And then was like, yeah. shit, where is she? Yeah. So that's why she said, like, I didn't know how long I was on the floor for, but that kind of gives you the amount of wow. time. Like, he had enough time to shower. He was in the bathroom coloring his hair while his wife was bleeding out on the floor. Yeah. He did not care. Oh, he seems like such a weasel. Uh, yes. Christy was taken to the emergency room and the police were immediately called. It took two hours for doctors to stabilize her. Her lung was punctured in two different places and at first it didn't reinflate. So there was that. During their fight, he had cut some of her ear off. Oh, they reattached her ear. Yes. Well done, EMTs. They stitched up her leg and her sides. They told her that she might not walk again because she had been stabbed so badly in the leg. Oh. The bullet remained in her chest for a few weeks until the police needed it for evidence and oh then my God. removed it. Sherry and Christy's family went to go see her. She was in a bad state and there was blood everywhere. Jim was arrested shortly after. I good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. God. Stressful. This is like the most traumatic thing that can happen to you and you live. I'm really glad they got him though. He was obviously going to go on the lam. Yeah, he was planning an escape for sure. Mm -hmm. What do you think he was going to do? That's what I kept thinking. Like, he, he's coloring his hair in the bathroom. What's he planning to do with her body? He's been sat thinking this up while she's been with her high school girlfriend the whole time. Yes, Coke exactly. planning. He's yeah. crazy red string yeah. coke planning. Yeah. Their trial is two years later. This happened November 2010. Their trial happens in 2012. It was the first time that Christy had seen Jim since he attempted to kill her. I kind of get the impression that she wouldn't be scared of him, though. Because she kind of wasn't scared of him no, when he was well, trying listen, to kill her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she fought back. But listen to what she says later on. Okay. So during court proceedings, Christy retold many of the controlling and aggressive behaviors of Jim during the length of their relationship. She was on the stand for three hours she did talk about her own cocaine addiction. She talked about his. She talked about her sexuality. She talked about Jim's recordings of her, which also included sex tapes. Mm. She had even talked about how she had attempted suicide and Jim was present for those occasions. She said there was a point where she held a gun to her head and Jim would say, chicken, go ahead, pull the trigger. Oh, and when you. she would swallow pills later on, he'd urge take some more super fucking also aren't they going to be the toxic. worst sex tapes in the world because he's old and gross and she's having the worst time well i didn't include this because i think it's kind of salacious but since you brought it up yep. <laughs> she mentions that he asked her to wear strap-ons a lot he liked her oh to do that i see yeah. so that was a uh, part of their sex tapes and that was there was just shots of her just like walking around with a strap on he liked that so maybe there were moments of her enjoying it because she didn't have to have like heterosexual sex, sex yeah you know yes yeah exactly so when she got off the stand she surprised everyone by walking straight over to jim yeah she bent down 
and put her face in front of his and she said, I hope you rot in hell, motherfucker. Oh, I love her. <laughs> and her lawyer comments on, I think there's a really good article uh, that ESPN wrote and her lawyer said something like, everyone in the room was like, <gasps> what's going to happen? <laughs> she lived the dream. That's your dream. When someone yes. does shit stuff to you. That's what you want. That's what you want to do. Yeah. And she got to do it. Right. Get this. Jim pled not guilty to charges of attempted first degree murder, attempted manslaughter, and aggravated battery. Okay, you're out of your fucking mind. In court. <laughs> yes. In court, Jim's team failed to establish grounds for self-defense. An argument Christie's lawyer had been prepared for. They were expecting self-defense. Obviously. Like, what else? Yeah. Expecting him to use Christie's boxing background against her. But he didn't want to admit that he was defending himself against a girl. Exactly. She could have kicked that your was ass. The reason. If she wanted to. <laughs> you know it and everyone else knows it. Yes. Christie's lawyer, Deborah Barra, later said, I don't think he could bring himself to lose his man card. Jim said in court that he didn't do any of the stabbings and he didn't shoot her. So and the lawyers were literally like, oh, so she just got a bullet out of thin air. <laughs> like, where'd that come from? Stabbed herself a couple of times, shot herself and then went right now. Yeah. Now I'm leaving you. <laughs> right. I'm getting out of here now. Motherfucker, please. He said on the stand that they had a loving 20 year marriage. I just I'm speechless. <laughs> Jim was found guilty of attempted second degree murder and manslaughter. He was sentenced to 25 years, the mandatory minimum sentence, which would make him 93 years old at his scheduled release. He is currently serving time at Graceville Correctional and Rehabilitation Facility in Graceville. Christie and Sherry continued their relationship, but Christie ended up marrying another woman. Uh, she was another, like, boxing op opponent named Lisa Holwyn. Aww. They got married in 2017. I hope they have so many Pomeranians. <laughs> so many dogs. I hope they have oh, an man, army of dogs. Me... <laughs> <laughs> that reminds me. Have you watched the new season of Barry? No. Oh, man. There's such a good scene where this lesbian couple is sitting in their kitchen and it's nighttime this is relevant to what you just said i'm sure it is <laughs> i don't care if it isn't <laughs> this is, there's a lesbian couple sitting in their kitchen at nighttime and one of the characters i forget mr kuzino uh barry's acting teacher falls into their backyard because he's trying to get away okay and the lights turn on <sighs> and he turns around and this dog starts chasing him and this couple doesn't notice as they're sitting in the kitchen and during it there's like one dog runs across the street screen and then another dog and then like five more dogs and then 10 more dogs <laughs> and then 20 more dogs and the lesbian couples they're they're arguing and they're like why are you breaking up with me we've had such a happy five years together and all this time there's like 20 dogs like running across the screen behind them in the backyard and the other woman goes you have too many dogs no that's never a reason to break up with someone that's a reason to stay with someone not enough dogs no it's such a good scene though it's so funny oh you'll have to show me 
Yeah, definitely. <laughs> we'll watch it. So Christy Salters, she changed her name back to Salters Good. after uh, all of this happened. She left the name Martin behind. She was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 2020. She owns Christy Martin Promotions, a boxing advertising and development company. Yeah, you do. And she and Lisa live in Austin, Texas. Oh. And that is the story of Christy, the coal miner's daughter, Salters. What a fucking badass. Yes. I love her. Yes. I think I have seen a documentary um, about this. I th- it was a long time ago, but I think someone was talking about her and they commented being like, she just had an unbreakable jaw. Her jaw was just made oh, of iron. Okay. And that was why she won so many fights because she could get punched in the face as many times as you wanted. You know, like Homer. Yeah. <laughs> so it's yeah. like she, people could punch her as much as they wanted, but one punch from her and you were knocked out. She could just keep people like going. And then when she punched them, mm-hmm. it was over. And they were tired. Yeah. So... Yeah. That documentary that you probably have seen is all about her. It's called Untold Deal with the Devil. And yeah. it came out on Netflix on August 2021. So if you haven't watched it, go watch it. It's only like an hour. And it's very good. And you'll see. She's... They interview Jim in it. He's sitting in jail. And he's talking about. I don't remember that bit. I need to watch it again he, now. What happened. After this. But yeah. I remember her being so yes. likable. I remember her being just completely like real and herself and she is just a straight talker and she is just like this is how it went down yeah i did some bad stuff as well but like this is what happened like she's in no way a bullshitter which is like really cool to watch yeah it's a bit and it's kind of like reminds me of other like sports people like um the wrestlers like you know like jake Mm. the snake and Mm -hmm. people like that they're like yeah, I did some shit stuff, but like this also happened. Like they're just really honest about their story when it's over. And they're you could tell that they're when it's over and they're in their life now and they've lived through it, it's changed them yeah. for the better. They've become a better person. Yeah, yeah. You can definitely see it with some wrestling like wrestling documentaries I've watched. They just like yeah. freely admit what happened, even if it doesn't make them right. look good. Which is yeah. my favorite type of interview. And that- and that is a good advertisement for therapy. Oh, fuck. Go to therapy. <laughs> and you can face what happened to you and acknowledge what you did. Acknowledge that you were a dick. Change for the better. And be like, okay, yeah. I need to not believe things that aren't true anymore. That is what yes. I got from change therapy. Change for the better. <laughs> yes. Oh, I was exactly. making oh, I was just making that up to continue my unhappiness yeah. oh i get that now yeah <laughs> yeah yeah oh that was a great um, story um i cannot i really thanks. hope there's like a really good british equivalent i really hope i can find something good i'm gonna i think you can find something i'm gonna try yeah. so hard and also so we're recording sunday next sunday i'm gonna be with you yeah we're probably gonna be hung over so i'm gonna be writing that shit on a plane <laughs> Woohoo! Okay, I can't wait. Me neither. I think we should end it there. Yeah. We're very excited to see each other and to host a podcast episode together. I don't even know how to do it in the same room. I hope you do. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. (laughs) All right. Well. All right. Thanks for listening. Okay, bye. Bye. 
Thanks for listening to Transatlantic Crime this week. If you liked what you heard, please rate, review, and subscribe. And if you'd like to follow us on social media, you can find us on Twitter at TransatCrimePod, Instagram at Transatlantic Crime, and on Facebook with Transatlantic Crime Podcast. Thanks, bye. <laughs>